The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello there, everyone. Welcome back to Everybody's Dead Dave, our Red Dwarf Review podcast featuring myself, Adam Martin, and as always, my co-host. That's me, Philip Hawkins. Hello. That is him. And today, it's a rather, it's a landmark moment today, really, isn't it, Phil? Because we have reached Series 8. The end of an era. Episode 8, the final episode of what I believe you... You veterans call the the B is it the BBC era? Yeah, would we say? I think, I think that's an accurate description. Yeah, the BBC or the original era. the original run, or some would argue maybe that ended after series six with the break. Who you know, it's it's up in the air. I guess I would I would called. still lump them all together. You know, there's yeah. this like just over ten year period where this you know because well, well, when was it started? Eighty eighty eight. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. So this twelve year period. No, it's eleven year period where mm. these all these series fit into, and they're all on the BBC. Yeah, the end of an era, nonetheless. It's mad yeah. that we've actually reached it over. I think recording just over a year, year and a few months. A y- I think year and a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. And funnily enough, there's 52 weeks in a year, Phil. And obviously, we've had breaks and stuff. But would you believe this episode is actually episode 52? Yeah. Wow. I know. Out of I think about 78 as as it currently stands. So that's a rough. Oh, that's 26, 26, 26. Okay, two thirds. That's two thirds technically. If you want to break it down, a bit of quick maths, I've probably got that wrong. But anyway, Only the Good is the title of this episode, and the synopsis is as follows. Life isn't going too well for our friends on the dwarf as they reside in the tank, made even worse as an escape pod containing a genetically engineered virus that eats metal arrives and begins to destroy Red Dwarf. Dun, dun, dun. That's a finale setup if I ever heard one, isn't it? So, kicking off Only the Good. Um... We get one of these like little opening opening crawls. Uh, well, it's not really a crawl, like an opening title shot, don't we? With text, yeah, t- text message kind of yeah. thing. Like a computer is bringing up information. Did it make you chuckle? Because I think with things like that, where it's just text doing the comedy work, I think it can it depending on obviously everything, you know, context, what it says. Did did it work for you? Yeah, I I would say yeah. The, I liked the bit about the spelling errors because it types yes. out something and then and then it deletes it and then it retypes it again. It's about correctly. And then on the next line, it it mentions that it, that the virus, this virus that it uh, had, had had compromised the ship it cam, came from, uh, was affecting lots of critical systems, including spell including check. Spell check. <laughs> Which if that happened in real life, I think we'd all be a bit buggered because I think we all <laughs> use spell check more than we realize. I know I certainly do. Yeah. Um, but we go onto the ship itself, and Captain Hollister, our, uh, probably been one of our favourite characters this season, I think it's fair in saying, is he's not very well. He's got yellow fever. He's in bed, and he's yeah, not doing he's too not good. in the hole as he said no. he was going to. Now, uh, some fans, this is a fan theory that, that it's not confirmed on screen, therefore surmise that this episode takes place twelve months after the last one. So the yeah. captain has gone into the hole, got over his PTSD by being secluded for uh, um, for 12 months and has come out. And that would, in fairness, that would also explain why Rimmer is on parole. Because I was going to say, yeah, yeah. He, he, there was no sign of him being on parole in the last episode. And now suddenly he's on parole. So that kind of does also indicate that maybe some time has passed. I'd agree with that because I remembered you said that from last week's episode. And just when they mentioned about being on parole or 
probation and all that where, uh, scene later in the episode, it made me think, yeah, and I think it just has that vibe. You get the vibe that they've now been, you know, around doing this for for quite a while. So yeah, I'd lean into that theory. Why not? Yeah. And um, Hollister in this scene, I think he's great as ever. Even the moments where he's not speaking when he's just shooting Rimmer, like you know, the odd look or whatever. I just yeah. think the actor who plays him is very good at. He's just he just knows that character and like, how sardonic he can be. So I was I was loving it from the get go. Um, Talia arrives. Was it Talia? Yeah, his girlfriend totally. or yeah. wife, yeah. And they he they determine that the nanobots must have resurrected her, right? That's what they say. Well, early yeah, on. they do say that. And I don't quite get the logic of this because <laughs> she has come, as we find out later, she's definitely come from the escape pod. Yes. Which came from another ship. Yes. So the nanobots resurrected a whole other ship? As well as Red Dwarf? Inside Why Red... Red Dwarf? What? <laughs> where like... where was this other ship at the time? What, would it have not... What, like, what's going on there? <laughs> Is it's it a very... bit of loose Red Dwarf yeah. continuity as we've had? If, if, if there's something glaringly obvious we're missing, by the way, please let us know in the comments if it's... But yeah, I agree with you. Like, she... They sort of said it. It's like, oh, you must have got resurrected by nanobots as well. I was like, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just a bit odd, but it's not its not the last we see of Talia, but, you know, we'll get there when we get there. She is someone uh, who's from the captain's past. We know that yes, at this point. Yes, we do. Um, and uh, Rimmer makes some lewd, uh, lewd intuations that, you know, something's going to happen when he leaves the room. And uh, Yes. And, sad, well, you could say sadly or not, it, it's not the last lewd saying or joke that we know that we see i did <laughs> i did what did make me laugh in this scene though i did like the line from rimmer where he says shall i leave the photo of your wife where it is or shall i turn it the other way sir before <laughs> yes. i go yeah that was a clever line nice and slick um but as rimmer leaves he does i love this as well he does he tries the old coin in the vending machine trick which I've never actually tried in real life. I don't know if you have, Phil. Well, obviously not. I am not a thief. I, oh, okay. I am completely above but, the but, law you know, off, and uh, off would the never incriminate myself on a podcast <laughs> like that. <laughs> but, you know, off the record. If we're yeah, I, I have no idea if this would work. Does this work? Would this work? I mean, uh, I imagine nowadays they probably, probably maybe it would work in days. some old like 80s. Yeah, 90s vending machines because that must be where the joke like comes from the fact yeah. that at some point you could do this but Boy, of it's course, one of those urban myths that you could do it and it never really and worked. it never actually happened yeah yeah if you if you in you know in in air quotes <laughs> if you saw someone, someone do it this, yeah you yeah. saw someone do if it if you've yeah. seen someone do this <laughs> yeah. someone else in inverted commas let us know in the let uh, comments know. below but but of course it's not just a regular vending machine. It's it's a it's an alive vending machine or one with a personality, I should say. And I don't know about you, Phil. I love this vending machine. Ah, brilliant! Yeah, great I character. Did. I mean, yeah. I love the bit where after you know he's trying to alert people that he's trying to steal, and then there's that bit where the captain comes along, gives him his tray back, and then after the captain leaves, he says, "You are my nemesis. One day our paths will cross again, and I." <laughs> just it's a vending i don't know it just really got me i loved it it is great it's played by uh toby slattery who has voiced a character in red dwarf before not a vending machine um but an android on the australian soap opera androids oh, from no the way. episode crichton yeah from way back in series two yeah oh. absolutely wow so he's been in it before um 
I'm trying to remember that it was a very Australian name as well that he played. Where is it? Oh yeah, he played Brooke. Brooke. In... <laughs> the voice like Brooke of Brooke in, in Androids. Yeah, <laughs> in Androids, parodying Neighbours, of course. Oh god, that feels so far away now. And he nicely came back ten years later to vo- yeah. <laughs> voice the vendor machine in one episode, but he does it very well. And um, but this is what Rimmer's getting up to. As you said, he's on parole. He's basically like serving the serving the captain. The others. Don't seem as lucky. Yeah, why, why has he gotten parole and they haven't? Yeah, you, you would have thought out of all four of them, the one I wouldn't have thought Rimmer would have been, especially if, if the captain chose, I'd like to think Rimmer would be the last of the four he'd pick to yeah. like, be around. Because he, he genuinely is annoyed by him. Like, we see that. He doesn't like being around him. So, But it's one of those Red Dwarf things, I think, that we're never going to get an, an explanation for. No. But hey. If it sets up Rimmer having a vending machine as a nemesis, I'm all here for it. I'll I'll forgive anything. But um they're yeah, they're not they're not doing too good. They're talking about all the work they're doing, Cat talking about rocks, but not mining rocks as in a prison. He's got to change the rock album every forty five minutes. Yes, which... I did like the fact that they they led into that like he, he's going on about rocks and having to you know move rocks and stuff and you think he's like slit this making him slave away in the mining bits and uh, yes yeah i think they left that just about the right amount of time yes yeah um to then reveal that he's talking about changing the album on yeah a really good cat setup joke who thought we'd get one this series (laughs) right out of the bag we get one Um, there was some good use of cat in this episode actually there was there was especially in a scene later on but we'll get there yeah i I mean it's never it's the episode's never about him uh but Mm. it feels like he's more more there he's got some more decent stuff rather than just coming in with a single punchline yeah yeah like they're actually writing full-on jokes for him rather than just like a like say a a one-liner yeah um but then, as Cat ironically leaves the frame, we, we have Crichton and Lister, and Crichton's got this calendar. And when Lister inquires about it, he's been told that, well, Crichton believes, was it that Kachansky's calendar, or it's the wrong time of the month, is basically the punchline. Yeah, she's told him and... it's the wrong time of the month, so he thinks that's, oh, there's a problem with the calendar. I, the calendar is wrong. The month yes. is wrong on the calendar. We need to change and, the calendar. <laughs> and the minute he said that, in my head I thought, oh no. I was like, "Are we, are we doing this?" And then when Lister whispers in his ear, I thought, "Yep, we're doing this, aren't we?" Um, and sure enough, for any listeners who are thinking, "What are you talking about?" The very next scene <laughs> involves Kachansky going back to her bunk. Crichton is there with a banner that says, "Has have a fantastic period," and <laughs> um, yeah. So, <laughs> so Phil, as two um, as two males, uh, what what did you? What did you think? What did you think of this whole joke? Basically, I, you know what, I didn't think it was too bad. I had worse memories of it than I thought it was going to be. I thought the right. humor, because the humor was mostly around the fact that Crichton is oblivious. Yes, and I think that I think it kind of works, mm. and especially when it dawns on him, and he's like, and because uh, Kachansky goes, Crichton, how can I put this? Is there Something wrong, ma'am. He set me up, didn't he? (laughs) This is absolutely not what you're supposed to do when a woman is having a... (laughs) Is the banner wrong, too? (laughs) He was lying! We get the Crichton high voice. (laughs) Yes, yes, of course, yeah. Yeah. So, you know what? I I don't mind it. What about you? 
I, I agree with you that it's not as, like, I guess, you know, you could say played in a... Well, it's not as bad as some of the stuff like we saw in Crytie TV. I know we keep bringing it up, no. but it's true. Like you're saying, the fact that it's Crichton's obliviousness softens it a bit. I just think, and it's coming now, folks, I just think the gag did go on for a bit too long. Like, from from where the scene starts in Kachansky's bunk, basically. I think, had it ended after, you know, he's got the banner, he's he's holding the, tamp- you know, the tampon, and the, you have the few gags about it. But then they, I don't know, they just... After that, I was like, okay, I've got it now. Do you know what I mean? Like, I get the punchline. Yeah, I, I do think, yeah, I think you're probably right, actually. And the the where they go on to, because he, he's found out that he's been tricked, but then yeah. there's another stage where he recites some other stuff that he's clearly been told about, you know, oh, won't you be too busy? Aren't you, aren't you going to be playing tennis in white trousers? Or yeah, and like by that? that point, I was like, we, you know, just... <laughs> yeah we, we can move on now it's i nothing think to if do they with, stopped it know. after the banner and the presence the tampon present and that would have probably been the best place to stop yeah it. yeah probably i because I, I did worry that obviously based on what we've seen throughout this series really with some of the humor particularly in crikey tv when i realized this was the joke it was going for i thought oh no uh, you know like worst case scenario i thought this is going to be like really juvenile this is going to be really like just you know, not done in like the most smart or tasteful way. But it no, it wasn't. As I said, wasn't as bad as it could have been. Um, but the, because he's been duped, Crichton and Kachansky decide they're going to get their own back on Lister for doing this. And we cut to the the familiar bunk with Rimmer and Lister. They're passing the before time. we get before we get to yeah? it. That like when they're plotting the revenge plan. Yes, I found that whole Crichton basically speaking gobbledygook. Yeah weird because it's kind of like it's like okay you know it, it's taking the mick out of those with scenes where you go and you don't hear what they're saying but yeah. we can clearly hear what he's saying and he's saying gobbledygook but yeah they're not playing it like in universe he's clearly not saying gobbledygook because <laughs> kachansky is nodding along like he's saying real words and i yeah. just found that whole bit really weird and it like, did feel a bit like, out this of this doesn't yeah. work it just felt a bit out of joint because it's like yeah, and also I'd argue it would have been funny if Crichton had just said the plan because we know how funny Robert Llewellyn is and obviously if he was saying this like ridiculous plan, that probably would have been funny. But yeah, like you're saying, the fact he's openly speaking gobbledygook, not quietly and Kachansky's nodding it, yeah, it just feel, it just sort of happens and then yeah. you're like, all right, okay. Very bizarre. But apparently in that gobbledygook plan is to basically dob uh, Lister and Rimmer in, but they're passing the time. Um, but Holly gets in touch because he's got some he's got some hot gossip. Yeah, it's uh, good to see Holly. It is always good to see Norman love it as Holly. Uh, and the gossip is they've got a uh, bunk inspection in ten. And he's I love how smut like how proud he is that he knows this this you know this really important hot gossip is like he got a bunk inspection in ten minutes. And then I love after the guard comes in and says it. Again, like how smug he is, he's like, ah, you see, I'm, I'm yeah, in. and he's I only given really like great. an extra like thirty seconds warning on what they would have had anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I just the whole setup it was great. Like Norman Lovett's delivery, and then obviously mainly Rimmer's reaction as well. Typical like Rimmer sarcasm. I just it was a really neat joke. I liked it. Um, I also like the little niche joke about um, you know, when they're talking about scars and things like that, mm. and Rimmer talks about his scar from a from jewel, oh, yes, or a jewel. <laughs> and of course, Lister's like, "What? A, uh, an actual fighting jewel?" He's like, "No, I got battered with the video case of the Steven Spielberg." I don't know why. Maybe it just appeals to my like really niche 
uh, nerd stuff, but yeah. I, I, I just found that really funny. I did. I'd never heard of this Steven Spielberg film. Um, hmm. So when he first said it, I was like, "Has he? Is it? Is the joke that he has mis misremembered what? Because obviously this is three million years in the future, you know. And he's done this. They've done these jokes before where he's re- misremembered." pop culture from our time yes and, yeah. and got it wrong so i wondered if it was like are they misremembering jaws is he is he trying to say jaws oh, but he's coming see, out yeah, Jewel? yeah. Um, but no apparently it's a real film i just never heard of it yeah i haven't seen it myself but i think it was um i think he either made that just before or just after jaws i'm tempted to say just before because jaws i think was steven spielberg's breakthrough wasn't it if I've got my uh, film history possibly, right, or I his think. Big, maybe his big budget breakthrough, possibly. I don't know. It's That's 1971 it, yeah. was Jewel, according to IMDb. Oh, that was before Jaws then, because Jaws was 75, uh, Okay, think, if I've got my dates right. But I need to watch that. I need to get on my list. Um, but then they find a note, uh, a note from Crichton, which in tip- I, I love when Lister reads it. Obviously, he's reading it as Lister, but you can tell it's written by Crichton if you get like the way he uses like the oh, language yes. and stuff. And I love that. I just love how typical Crichton it is. But he's 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 set them up. He's he's taken Baxter's uh, personally made hooch. We all remember hooch. Those of us at a certain age, not that hooch, but a much worse hooch. And he's, oh, he's, the alcohol pops. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes. Come on, we've all drank hooch at one point when we thought it was cool. Yes, I think on the scale of alcoholic. Uh, drinks that has probably like alco pops have probably the least amount of alcohol in them, and then yeah. like this type of hooch blows your head Was off. Summer <laughs> else, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's put this, he's put this hooch in their bunk, and of course, having any sort of alcohol is, uh, well, I guess illegal or like not allowed. So they they instantly scramble. Now, this scene, Phil, I don't know about you, I just uh, from top to bottom, I love this scene. The minute they, the, the minute they realize what's going on. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah everything it was good. about the mad it. scramble, the when they find it, trying to work out what to do with it. Because they start tipping it down the sink and then their, yep. their tank gets full. So then they have to drink it. <laughs> yes. And the re- the reactions, the way the physical again, f- we always praise these guys for how like good they are, like physically as actors, but the reactions I thought were fantastic. I couldn't stop chuckling at them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what their logic was here. Uh, probably none because they were in panic but like even yeah. if they drank it all how were they going to explain the bottles which would still clearly smell yeah. Of alcohol yeah like what were they going to do with the bottles and all that sort of stuff but i just love that like the slow descent and then it, it, i love for once i'm happy that the joke carries on like i love the moment where they're both sat down at the table but then lister just crashes to the floor <laughs> like it's because let's face it we've all either been or seen someone like that when they're so drunk they can't even they can't even sit properly. Their body weight just yes. falls all over or the Or just place. the room is spinning around. Yeah, or, yeah. you know, in, in my case, once the pavement. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there. No shame. We've, we've all been there. We've, we've all been Of there. a certain age, of course. Drink responsibly. Yes, anyone over all... 18 has been there. Yes, we've been there. It's right a passage. So then, yeah, they're, they're buggered. We're, you know, they, they've got no option. And then Ackerman comes in, which really made me smile because... I think it was earlier in this season I actually named him one of my favourite characters. I could be wrong yep. in the episode he was in. But I just, I love this guy. Uh, every, I don't know what it is, just the performance I really like. Uh, what did you think about Ackerman coming back right at the end of the season? Yeah, it's good to see him again. And uh, it's, it's another great scene for him. I love it when he's like, he, he knows they're drunk, obviously. He can see they're drunk. He can smell the alcohol. And yeah. he, he's just getting them to like 
admit it and they're like, no, I'm not, I'm not drunk. I'm not yeah. drunk. Um, and I love the way he gets them to admit it as well. He just yeah. asks, the anyone from a kebab? <laughs> and they're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. crap. <laughs> Again, been there. So that was very relatable. <laughs> I'm but, more yeah. of a cheesy chips drunk. Oh, are you? I see. Yeah. Anything to help soak it up, mate. Yeah. That's, that's what I say. But yeah, he's, and when he says that, uh, Rimmer's response, he just faints. <laughs> There's a great crash on the floor. Whatever, whether that was the sound he genuinely made or like a sound effect, it was a great crashing sound. And Lister just falls asleep on him, as a lot of drunk people do. Again, been there. Uh, so as as they're taken to the Medibay, we go to the canteen where Kat, Kachansky and Crichton are having their food. And Baxter's here and he's, Baxter's not happy because obviously his hooch is gone. And he comes up to him and says, uh, well, I'm go- when I see him, I'm going to do this. And he takes two bread rolls and crushes them. To which Cat remarks, you're going to squeeze their rolls? Which, I must admit, I didn't find that funny, really, as a one-liner. That was No, no. It's, it's the typical it's the, it's the typical cat joke. He gets some other good stuff in this episode, but he does also have this kind of typical cat doesn't quite get what's really happening, states something that's yeah. like what that he sees. Sometimes- yeah, and sometimes is funny, sometimes isn't funny. <laughs> um, but on the warning of this, Crichton and Kachansky sneak into the Medi Bay, which apparently has low security. Crichton sticks a bunch of blue tack on his face, and Kachansky has a pan on her head, which really made me laugh. Because <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that works, doesn't it? Yeah, what I don't get is why they could, they just like faked their injuries, but Cat felt the need to like get actually injured. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. like trying to get injured to get in there. But they just walked in and faked their injuries. Why couldn't it be done the same? But on this scene with Kat uh, actually going the lengths to try and like get genuinely hurt, um, what did you think of this scene then? Because this devotes quite a lot of time to like Kat and this this whole plan. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't mind it. It was very predictable. Like, as soon as the scene started and he started nicking that guy's chips, I was like, I think I know where this is going to go. And, and yeah. I'm not saying that because I've seen it before. Because I couldn't mm. remember this scene. I yeah. you know, I have no memory of this scene before, even though I have watched it before. Um, that was a long time ago. But I kind of just think, well, this is the inevitable outcome of this scene. Yes. <laughs> and it was. So I must it's a admit, bit though, predictable. When Kat's like squaring up to the guy, I I found that quite good stuff. Like it's a different side to Kat. I never thought I'd hear oh, I guess I can say it once. I never thought I'd hear Kat call someone a bitch. Yeah. In Red Dwarf, that surprised me. Um, but that, like, I, I liked it on the whole. But then when we get the reveal that the guy he's stealing food from is actually like he will become Cat's slave, basically, and do whatever he says and all that, I thought they they labored on that a little bit too long, just a little bit. Yeah, like, and it once was we very got the twist, that, yeah, like the shift of it. Although I do believe that actor, I can't remember his name. He looked familiar. I think he's one of the Slitheen in Doctor Who. Is he? What's he? Is it Big Meat? Is that his name? <laughs> oh, is that the character's impressive? <laughs> I think. Let's go be. with that. Yeah. Uh, I think he plays is, played by is David Verrery. I can't remember what. Uh, I think it's the main. You know, the male Slitheen who acts as Prime Minister in Alien in the Chris Eccleston. One. Oh, I think oh, it's it him. is. Yes, I thought played, I recognised his played face. Joseph yeah. Green That's in it, World Joseph War Three and Aliens in London. Aliens yeah. in London. There we go. I, I thought I recognised that face. I, Why is his character? I I saw him 
and recognized him from somewhere, but I did not place it at all. Yeah. I, d- I don't know why he's called Big Meat, though, bless him, like, in this. It's just one like, of those prison nicknames, you know, you get. He's yeah. The, he's the yeah. tough one. He's the big guy in the prison. And Well, I thought Baxter was the tough, but he's just well, called apparently. Baxter. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's this guy who's like... Well, he, okay, he says then. he's the most feared person in... He calls himself the most feared person in the prison. So... Yeah. Hmm. But then Cat finds his weakness, apparently. But um, sure enough, Cat doesn't get beat up, and then... Um, the next scene we have is they um, discover that the uh, the microbes that arrived in this escape pod they're at work. They eat. They're gradually eating through the structure of Red Dwarf. And Rimmer straight away is like, "We've got to get out of here. Like, we need we need to leave." Uh, Lister, being the sort of well, he isn't always, but in this instance, being like the moral compass of the show, is like, "No, we've got to. You know, we've got to go back. We've got to warn everyone." Uh, so everyone's got like a fair chance yeah and i did quite like that moment because it's we i think we've said for for the most part obviously with a few blips in these last few seasons lister has always sort of been like yeah he's a slob and he can do like seedy things but ultimately like he is a good guy yeah yeah because Crichton kind of tries to insinuate that he's only doing it to impress kachansky and yeah while there might be a little bit was it Rimmer that says that? Oh yeah, Rimmer says that. Yeah, sorry, yeah. not right. No, it's all right. It's all right. Um, yeah. Uh, but but he, I I don't know that they don't like confirm that or anything in this. He it's not like he gets found out or anything. Is it, there might be a grain of truth to it, but you kind of get the feeling that he's also still doing it because mm. he thinks it's the right thing. However, it massively backfires on them, of course. <laughs> yeah, because then Captain Hollister does an address to the prisoners of the tank saying, Red Dwarf's going belly up, there's not enough ships, and uh, yeah, you're all going to be left here to die. Yeah, so if they'd <laughs> just like carried on and stolen the ship and left, they could have, yeah. I mean, I, they could have like sent a message back to warn everybody else, but gone yeah. out first. But no, go. the goodness backfired on them massively. And we get some pretty decent CG shots of all these Starbugs and blue midgets flying yeah. away. And the Red Dwarf ship itself, I thought, looked pretty good in yeah. this one. Controversially, I prefer the longer Red Dwarf ship to the short one with the, uh, with the okay. thing on it. I think that's a controversial opinion amongst um, Red Dwarf fans. I think most people prefer the original. You know, it's the original. But I, I, yeah. I don't know. I just like I like the long yeah. one. <laughs> Is it because you get more time to like look at the detail, or do you maybe, just like the... I just think it looks like a nicer ship, and maybe it's not meant to look like a nice ship because it's a mining ship, but it just looks like a, I don't know, looks like a nicer ship. There we go. I'm probably going to get hate yeah. mail now from other like. What do you mean? Nah, it's the, no, we, the original is the best. We tend to have a fairly pleasant listener base. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's be the behavior. I think so. I think so. So these guys need a plan because obviously they're still they're stuck on Red Dwarf. There's no more ships left. So they reason that to counter, you know, essentially a virus, they need an antidote, and it all it, this all happened quite fast for me. So yeah. please jump in to correct me if I'm if I'm reading this wrong. So they they decide they need to find the antidote because it's a virus, and yep. the way to do the way to do this is to enter a mirror universe where everything's opposite. So in theory, instead of having the virus, they'll have the antidote. Yeah, and Kachansky right? just kind of has that idea, just suddenly. And they have a machine to just do that? And yeah, and they just randomly have a machine already built that does that, and all the knowledge to very quickly whip one up. <laughs> and yeah. it's just, it's it's really weird how they 
A, no, Kachansky even like knows that this would exist. I suppose theoretically her crew back in the universe that she comes from. Well, yeah, she's might have technically from a before. different... Well, I think even if they'd have just had one line, because obviously this Kachansky is from a different, was it Dimension or yeah. something like So even if she said, oh, like, you know, like from my... Just yeah, a line to there, tie it. Yeah, everything is opposite. Like, that was the whole oh, thing of true. this mirror thing. So it's just, it's just like It does really just weird. happen. It does just happen. It's and it feels... plot convenience. They needed it to happen, so it happened. But it's... Well, I wonder if it was like... You wonder if they wrote it chronologically and then thought, right, oh God, we've got five minutes left. We need we need to do something. Or did they have this, you know, this end game first and well, they couldn't... I, I mean, I was going to bring this up at the end because there were various ways this series could have ended. And actually, right. this wasn't... Uh, one of the ways oh. was that this wasn't the original plot of going to be the plot of the final episode. They just mm. didn't have enough budget to do the episode they wanted to make. So right, well now that now, but, now it all makes sense. Potentially, this got made at the last minute. Although it doesn't say that specifically in the information I've got. That, that I don't know how long they took to write this, but theoretically, if they had to change last minute because they didn't have enough money left over, and the I think it where was it in the IMDb trivia that it says this that um because uh, they were originally going to do an episode where they get back to Earth. And that's uh, uh. uh, coming, <laughs> yeah. Um, but right. they, uh, here we go. The original plan finale was a two-part episode titled Earth, and it was to have Red Dwarf crew arrive back at Earth only for the ship to accidentally destroy the world's major landmarks. Oh, the brilliant. idea was discarded due to budget limitations. Doug Naylor would blame the expensive special effects in pete as the cause of the lack of budget for earth oh pete so uh. if they if it was because of the excessive budget in pete it must be quite late on in the production mm. process that they realized they wouldn't have enough money for earth i guess so maybe well, it's a shame really because i think we said last week like pete I think, did we both agree it could have easily been one, like, 45-minute episode rather yeah. than two half-an-hour episodes? So it make, it does make you wonder. But I guess the late 90s, though, as well, was a time where a lot of TV companies wanted to show they could do, like, Hollywood-style CG, I guess. At least shows that did that kind of effect. So maybe that was the... At the time, maybe they thought, we want to prioritise that over... You know, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. But yeah, that does make a lot of sense, though, because whilst this episode, on the whole, I'd argue, doesn't feel like a rush job, this bit about the mirror, this feels like a rush job. This mm. feels very out of nowhere. Um, but moving on with it, you know, so they they activate it, Rimmer goes through, and then there's a conveniently placed malfunction. Uh, I don't think they even say why it malfunctions, it just does, because, you know, plot. Uh, so Rimmer is stuck in the mirror universe, to which he, when there's a knock on the door, he just knows to get in Captain Hollister's bed because he's yeah. not. Do you know? It, like, this how is does what he I mean. Know, like, it, the, the the whole premise is that it ends up being that he's the captain on this ship. And yeah. that, that it's Captain Hollister or Hollister that is the prisoner that is now on probation that is, which is weird because nobody else has the direct swap like that. <laughs> Yeah, but is that only because of what we saw at the start of the episode thing? Is that why they did it? Like, Yeah, I, yeah, it mirrors. And then they have this scene which mirrors the scene from the beginning where instead of him coming in to Captain Hollister um, in bed, it's Captain Hollister coming in to him in bed. 
and even Talio walks in. And... Yeah, we do. We do get another. Um, we get a penis joke, which the minute he did it, I thought, right, okay. This oh yes, like... of course, yeah, because he when he realizes that everything is the opposite, he looks down. Yeah, and... which, which I was that was that was like a groaner joke for me. maybe you know maybe maybe it's my age or something, but I don't know. I was like, come on, like do it. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Didn't work. Wasn't for me. Wasn't for me. But I'm sure some people would have liked it. Um, you're right, though. Talia does come back. Uh, to which Rimmer instantly thinks, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try my luck." Well, in fact, no, he doesn't even ask. He just sort of just pulls her into a kiss. Which you know, you could uh, debate the ethics of that. But um, to which then she pulls back and says, uh, "I'm, I'm your sister." Which then, uh, yeah, you know, you think, "Oh, okay." Um, to which then he, you know, feigns uh, fainting, waking up from a dream and saying, oh, it's your bro. Come and come and give me a hug. To which then she says that I'm your sister, like your your personal sister, your spiritual counselor. Yeah. Like that. Which just seems really like I get it, but it just seems really random. Like, but is it implied Talia in our universe? He's also Do we know what to Captain Hollister. No, but for like the opposite. So what is she in our? Do we oh, know God. what she is in relation no. Obviously, it's like they, they do kiss, don't they? In no. The do they kiss? No. No. She just arrives. Yeah. And we, But we know she's someone from his past. Yeah. But we so don't know So I guess who. she could be that, but, but then that wouldn't... But then the whole opposite thing is so inconsistent. Yeah, like what, the opposite of your girlfriend is a spiritual ad- advisor? Yeah but, yeah, but then maybe she is just a spiritual advisor in the, in our, in the prime universe as well, because... They they're just not consistent with the logic of no. the it's, what's opposite. What's it's not. it's very odd. It's very very odd. Um, and then, but he explores the ship. He finds Kachansky is a receptionist or a secretary. Uh, Kat's a professor, which I thought Danny John Jules looked quite good as a professor. Yeah, and actually, this is another one of the bits I quite liked from him as well. Just got a chance. He got a chance to do something else. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It was quite nice. Got that long name to say which he said really quick and which really well apparently he uh, it, despite the fact that he was notorious on set for forgetting his lines apparently <laughs> but right. he was the only cast member able to say that formula which no although way. i have it written down in front of me i don't think i'm going <laughs> to attempt even to say attempt. It. no it's too no well props to him for that i, I liked it not not as iconic as Dwayne dibley of course but how, you know what can top Dwayne yeah. dibley the duke of dork but um so then, but whilst this is going on, so he, he obtains the formula and he comes back to our universe, the prime universe, but everything's failing. Um, everything's on fire. Uh, the ship's being torn apart. Everyone's gone except the vending machine, uh, which <laughs> I was like, yes, of course, the vending machine. It basically says, oh, congrats. You've basically become captain. Lovely snarky remark. Which, you know, calls back to earlier on because he did yes. say, you know, uh, something about, oh, uh, I'll next at some point. Rimmer said to the vending machine, "Oh, I'll be captain when something happens." Yes, and he is, <laughs> and and sure enough, he is. Um, but in a in an uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically Rimmer moment, he does look at that mirror universe again. Uh, he looks at that mirror and thinks, although he looks at the mirror, which is still like pulsating, implying that it it's on. Do you know what I mean? He can go through it, but then he looks at the machine that generates it, which is still frazzled so that confused me because you know because we see him go through and the machine malfunctions so kachansky can't go through they're like oh he's yeah. he's trapped 
But then he 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 does he comes back obviously a bit later on when no one's there. But there's there's a shot where the vending machines told him you know everything's gone to pot basically, and he looks at the formula and then there's a shot he looks at the mirror, which is like pulsating. Is it still that pulsating then? I, I swear it was. I could be wrong. People in the comments let me know. But he looks at the mirror implying that you know he's he's thinking about that universe. But then I like that he doesn't if it is on, he doesn't go back to it. He sort of sticks around and he's he's talking about, you know, oh I, I need to fix the formula, I need to sort it out. You'll have to okay. let me know in the so comments. So here's what folks, I think yeah. happened. Because uh, right, I, I followed the events and thought something different was happening to Yeah, no, go for it. Go for so it. He comes back through. So it malfunctions when uh, just after he's gone through the first time into the mirror universe. So yes. the rest can't follow him. Mm. But I don't think it it's malfunctioned as in the it's the state you see it in later. Right. So I think the rest of the crew fix it while he's doing whatever he's doing in the mirror universe. And yeah. they escape to the mirror universe. Uh... Meanwhile, he doesn't cross paths with them while he's in that universe and that he comes back. Mm. Uh, and goes off, talks to the vending machine, finds out that they've gone, comes back into the room. But by that point, the um, the microbes have destroyed the machine. Right. The microbes okay. that are destroying the rest of the ship have now destroyed that machine. And he, and that so makes he more sense. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think happened. You're probably right. You're probably right. I might be having the Mandela effect and misremembering certain shots. Um, but he's committed to going to the lab. He's going to make this antidote, but then the vending machine, his arch nemesis, uh, decries it's all for naught because now that he's back in our universe and the opposites have reversed, rather than providing the antidote, that formula will create the virus or spur it on. And then (laughs) this leads into the ending. And I've got to admit, at first, Phil, I really liked the setup. You know, the fact, well, obviously it was funny when the can, every dog has its day and he shoots Rimmer with a can and knocks him over and he says, I'm the dog. That made me laugh. But then Adagio for Strings starts to play, which, of course, for those who don't know, is a very famous bit of music used in films like a Platoon, I think it was used in, uh, which was about the Vietnam War. It's used in several things. And I believe it was played, it was originally made, I could be wrong, but I believe that piece of music was originally made for John F. Kennedy's funeral. Ah. Which makes sense. Very, you know, very sad event. Very sad bit of music. So this music plays. The formula is burning on the floor. You get some great shots of, like, Rimmer sort of days, like, looking around at everything just falling apart. Um, And then the Grim Reaper confronts him during all this, saying that, you know, your time has come sort of thing. And had had it ended sort of on that same note, you know, on that more, not serious, but, like, that more somber note, basically... Yep. Say so had it ended with the Grim Reaper taking him off and then it fades to black or whatever, or you see the ship destroy whatever it is. I would have quite liked that really, as a sort of cliffhanger ending. Because you could argue it's that's more finite, but then it's Red Dwarf, you know, anything can happen. But then and it did make me laugh, you know, the Grim Reaper's giving him the spiel, and Rimmer just decides to knee him in the nuts, <laughs> which the Grim Reaper says has never happened before. Uh, Rimmer says, only the good die young, hence the title. Thank you. I did wonder where what the title meant, but there you go. Uh, and then he just sort of runs out of frame and then the episode ends. <laughs> yeah, and it comes up, um, the end. And then it says, the end, the smeg it is. Yeah. So, Although which, it, which it was... would end up being the end for yes. 10 years. <laughs> um, I think at this point they were planning on doing a movie. 
which never came right. to fruition. So I think that was what that was hinting that was... at. Um, but what do you what do you think of just this ending in just as an ending, if you like, well, regardless I, of what I think it's quite actually. I like I like most of it, and I think it has echoes of that series um, series six and is it series six? Yes, ending? where where he's running to activate the yeah the time drive it? yeah and yes, yeah. it's him again it's the it's the music and you know it's him trying to find a way to save them from this desperate situation so it's, it's very similar to that and again mm. after that i we had the stupid three-year wait and now this time we had a 10-year wait yeah <laughs> like, so if they yeah. ever do this again i'm gonna be like well there's clearly not gonna be an episode for a long time and I'm yeah it's a long it. hiatus yeah. it. so, so you were happy with like the whole setup of it the knee and the grim knee in the nuts and all yeah that. i liked it and yeah. it's absolutely what rumored i would have oh yeah done and i think it's a funny way to end it Talking of alternatives, because I was going to come back to this. No, there was it. a second ending shot where Rimmer does die. So that oh. that, that ending that you wanted, that yeah. was shot, apparently. Oh, is that on the deleted scenes? Um, I don't know. It doesn't say that on here. Uh, again, Ooh. this is all on the IMDb trivia section. It is editable by anyone. So take it with a pinch of salt. I'll have to go on the Blu-ray and have a look. Because if um, it is, I'd be really curious to see yeah. that. But it was deemed too sad, so they did not use but it. I mean, I don't, I don't know about the fact... Obviously, Red Dwarf is a comedy, like, at its core. Like, I'm not saying it needs to be this, like, you know, big, dramatic, serious thing. But I don't know, just after... Because it almost felt like, I guess because we're watching this in order as well, it just felt like after everything they've all gone through, you know, they've survived this, that, and the other, losing Red Dwarf, coming back to Red Dwarf, being thrown in the tank, going through all this stuff, and then for Rimmer to like be on it, everyone's gone. And it doesn't explain whether they've fled or whether they've died, the other cast mm. members, the leads. And I mean, obviously, we know there's more episodes. So they, they, but you know, at the time, I'm imagining it wasn't confirmed. So just the fact that Rimmer's come back all on his own, everything's falling apart and there's no hope base. I don't know. I kind I, I'm, I'm more in favor of that somber ending, to, okay. just personally, to yeah. be honest. It, yeah, yeah. There was a there were other endings uh, talked about. Obviously, we've already discussed the whole episode mm. being different, but also yeah. the ending to this one. There was a uh, potential according, again, according to IMDb trivia, an ending planned in which Rimmer's alter ego Ace Rimmer returns, oh, um, potentially okay. saving himself at the end. Yeah, uh, which will tie into. We'll talk. About, actually, I'm going to talk. Save that discussion topic for for when we do back to Earth. Um, All right, yeah. As a as a mysterious thing uh, Ooh, that I will okay. leave you wondering. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure there was some some more as well. Oh yes, there was another there 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 was another ending that I think mm. definitely is on the DVD as an alternative right. ending because they filmed. Um, where is it in the original film? Here we go. In the original filmed ending, Rimmer successfully remembers the completed name of the antidote to the microbe that is eating the mm -hmm. ship. And yep. Crichton uses it to save the ship. Rimmer right. takes up residence in the captain's quarters as they celebrate being alone on the ship and no longer imprisoned because everyone else is evacuated. Yep. And Captain Hollister is shown looking on from his blue midget. Crichton asks Rimmer if they should slow down Red Dwarf so the rest of the crew can come aboard. And Rimmer, in reference to Horatio Nelson at the Battle of Copenhagen in 1801, replies, Full speed ahead, Mr. Crichton. I see no <laughs> ships. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That's quite a triumphant ending, I suppose. Yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah, and it can be seen on the Series 8 DVD collection. So I'll have to go back and, and look. I, I do hope that original end, well, the ending that's more sad, I, I do hope that is available to watch because I'd be really curious to see how they dealt with that. I do get, though, maybe why they didn't go with that. Like, maybe it's too, like, they maybe thought, oh, that's too finite of an ending, like, sort of maybe shreds all hope that there'll be more. But then, by this point, this is Red Dwarf. Like, they could they could easily just fob it off and say, yeah, this it was the end, but now it's not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'll have to check the Blu-ray. But that, folks, is only the good, the final episode of the BBC era of the of the show, which uh, is crazy. We've hit the end of the first era, Phil. It is. Um, so we'll do our regular segments for the last time of the BBC era. Uh, who was your favourite character in this then? My favourite character was the dispensing machine. <laughs> <laughs> I just, his whole attitude was great. I love the voice that yeah. the guy did for it. Um, <laughs> the fact that he's determined to be the nemesis. <laughs> yes, good choice. I almost went for Ackerman, but I also went for the dispensing machine. Just like you said, everything about him, personality, lot of the lines he had uh, even his role to, at the end in that final scene i like the comedy provided there that was good so yeah big up the as if the last one of our bbc era is the vending it's not even the main <laughs> it's the vending machine yeah, none of the main cast not even any of the human no. guest cast it's the sorry guys machine. it's the vending machine <laughs> what about your funniest moment then so my funniest moment is actually a holly moment which we haven't actually mentioned but it's one joke from holly um yeah. when he's talking about the um, he's because he's hacked the computer, um, yes. and that's how he found out that there was going to be an inspection. Yeah, it's um, not gossip. And he's he's also taken a look at the um, what supplies are on the ship, and mm. uh, <laughs> I just it lit. I don't know why, but it made me crack up so much when he yeah. says, "I've also managed to get a goosey at the supplies inventory. I've discovered stuff in there that'll make your hair stand on end. What stuff? Brill cream, it's called." <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I remember I, that. Yeah, that I think I generally think that is the most I've laughed this entire series. Oh really? Is yeah. that one line of I don't know. No way. Oh, it's just his delivery on it. It was perfect. It was perfect. Good way for Norman Lovett to go out then of this era, clearly. <laughs> yeah. A line like that. Uh for me, it was it might seem obvious. It was the scene of the lads drinking the hooch and the and the reaction. Just perfect physical comedy, great reactions, great timing, great pacing. Uh, despite it being one of the longest scenes of the episode, I really liked it because it was all—it was just all great. So nice one to go out on. But what about your final rating then out of 10 well, for this? Well, I see, I like a lot of the episode and there's some, there is some good comedy in there. Um, I think just think the mirror universe bits let it down a bit. Yeah. Is that because of like how seemingly like quick it is? Yeah. And just out of yeah. nowhere. And it just, it's because really there's no random. setup either. Yeah. Really. The, 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 there's no setup. It just kind of comes out of nowhere. The fact that they've randomly just have this machine lying around. <laughs> and also like the cult scene in the, with Rimmer being the captain in, in the quarters yeah. just didn't really work for me. So, I mean, it got better again once he came back. And that I like that whole ending with the ship falling apart and everyone else had already gone and the vending machine stuff again. And all that I like and death. And all that. Yeah. Grim Reaper. Um, but just that middle bit when they're actually, he's actually in the mirror universe kind of lets it down a bit. It would have been a bit higher, I think, had it not been for that. Yeah. So I'm going to give it, what am I going to give it? Oh. I'm torn. Do I get, I'm going to give it a, uh, I'm torn between six and a half and seven. 
Okay. Do you know what? That's uh, that's exactly what I'm torn between. Just okay. To... <laughs> there we well, go. Well, you 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 say yours first then, and then uh, that might. Yeah. I'm going to give it a seven. I'm going to be generous and give okay. it a seven. Okay. That's fair. Well, I'm going with my gut instinct. I know I'm saying deliberating it, but I try and go with my gut, so I'm going to give it a six point five. Fair enough. A lot of the reasons you said as well. There was a lot to like. I think a lot of the jokes, like I said, the hooch scene. Uh, the first chunk of cat standing up to that guy as it went a bit too long after the twist, but you know, a lot of that I thought was quite good. The ending really liked, and I I didn't dislike how it ended with like a a, a comedy joke, but I, you know, as I said, I kind of wanted it to go another way, just personally for me. Um, yeah, not the big finale. I was I won't wasn't say hoping for. I just thought because this was the end of series eight, and like you said, this when they made it. Like so, they might have been trying to make a film afterwards, or I don't know if they were thinking we're going to do another series. But I guess in my head, I probably thought it was going to be a bit grander, might be the word, or yeah, a bit more than what it was. I know it was only one episode, so I wasn't expecting like you know a big three-part finale. But I don't know. I, was, I think I was expecting something a little bit different. There were a lot of scenes where I thought this is the final episode of this series, and it just feels like any other. Like oh it's you know it's the ra- it's the day it's the goings on of the crew. Do you know what I mean? It didn't feel like it was building to anything until the mirror stuff comes in. But then but then it's just there, and you're like oh right now we're doing a, the finale story, are we? In the last five minutes, so yeah, six point five for me. Not the worst, but not the best. Fair and enough. that is the end of only the good, the end of the BBC era. Yeah. Yeah, wow. we're going to be uh, doing some, uh, before we move on to the next era and Back to Earth, the infamous mm. Back to Earth, we're going to be doing a few specials. Um, yes. We're going to be yes, talking about one of the nov- the first novel, Infinity Welcomes mm-hmm. Careful Drivers, maybe a couple of other specials. We might do a Q&A if we've got enough questions. Yes, yeah. Um, I'm sure you guys have questions for us, surely. And yeah, so we're going to be doing that sort of stuff next, and then we will get to you Back to Earth. Which you say infamous, that... That mate, what? <laughs> uh, dare I ask why infamous, or are we going to save that for the? We'll save it. When, we'll save it for when the time comes. Yeah, I, we haven't decided how we're doing it yet either, are we? Because it was kind of broadcast as three episodes, but I think you can also watch it as like one long TV movie. I was going to say, is it all like one so one story, like back I, in the red, but in three parts? Yeah. So I don't know how we're going to cover that yet. It might be too long to do it. Just as are they are they thing. regular length epic like twenty five thirty minutes? I can't remember to be honest. Maybe, maybe um, we'll, we'll have a talk. But maybe if yeah. they're like regular length, maybe we could. But if if they're like an hour each, then yeah, I think we probably have to like do that on its own. But yeah, you'll find out, dear listener, whenever it comes out, you'll you'll realize how we've decided to do it. But in the meantime, uh, Phil, where can the listeners find you then? Uh, you can find me at uh, my YouTube channel, which you may be watching this on already, potentially, uh, which is just my name, Philip Hawkins. That's easy to find. And you can also find me on Twitter at Culture Filter, but filter spelt P-H-I-L-T-E-R, like Phil, like my name. You see see what he did there? Very clever, very good. And uh, for myself, it's just Adam Martin on YouTube, Martin with a Y, and Adam Martin AMTV on Twitter. And also, for the podcast, we're on Spotify and various other audio platforms, I believe, aren't we? We are indeed. We're on all the usual podcast platforms. Yeah. Spotify, Apple Music, all that jazz. Uh, you also, as Phil said, on YouTube, on his channel, 
so you can go and check us out there. You can leave your comments there. It's the one place you can leave comments. We'd love to hear your feedback, anything we've missed, anything we've, I say we, probably me, anything I've said that's just blatantly incorrect, please feel free to correct me. And yeah, if you've got any questions, as you you know, we we love to hear them at some point as well. And also, if you want to pick up some Everybody's Dead Dave merch, we do have a merch store, which will be in the description of Phil's YouTube video. You can get all your wares there. And yeah, it, this just feels weird, Phil. This feels like the end of a big chapter of this, of this journey that we're doing here. Yeah. So, um, oh, that's, we, actually, that's another one of the specials we're going to do. Um, we're going to do a ranking of every episode yes. from the BBC era. So, yes. uh, so that's 52 that. episodes. Yeah. <laughs> See if we've got our, if we remember our ratings, it'll probably be completely different. Won't it? Yeah, probably. <laughs> you watch, we'll put body swap at number one. We'll, we'll finally realize the error of our ways. <laughs> but yeah, but just before, before we sign off, I, I just want to ask personally for you then, Phil, as someone who say, you know, you've watched this show for many a year. What has it been like going back through the BBC era for the last year and a bit? It's been really good. Um, yeah, it's, it's great to revisit it because I think the last time I rewatched these all was probably when I bought them on DVD okay. when they were first released on DVD, which was around about sort of between 2005 and 2008, I think. Ooh. So Going it's been then. a long time since I've seen yeah. these. Has it all held up as you had remembered it? Uh some of it, yeah, yeah. Some of it, yeah. some it, it mixtures. Some of it didn't hold up as much as my memories of it. Some of it was surprisingly better. Some episodes which I thought would be worse were better. Some episodes which I thought were in my head were amazing were not bad, just yeah. not as good as I remembered them being. So kind of a mix. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've got to say, from from my perspective, as someone who over a year and a bit ago had never seen any Red Dwarf, made a few images, a few teaser clips on trailers here and there, uh, someone who had no, as I said to you at the beginning, as someone who had no expectation of what this little quirky sci-fi comedy was, it's it's been a ride, and I've I've thoroughly enjoyed every episode, even the ones that you know I don't think are as good. I've still enjoyed watching it, and I'm I'm now. Glad to be on this journey, continuing it. I, I, can I call myself a, a, a fan yet? Or do yes. I need to finish everything first? Yeah, of course you can. You're a fan as soon yes. as you start enjoying it and want to continue watching it. Relative uh, you, newbie, you, no more. So. Well, you're a fan, but you're still a relative newbie. <laughs> I'll take You'll that. always take be that. a relative newbie. I will. I'll, I'll take that. That's fine. You have to carry well, on being a relative newbie because we want to release merch of it. So you know that is. Oh uh, yeah, the re- <laughs> yes, yeah. I'll forever be that. Don't worry. That's fine. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. If you've been with us since the beginning, thank you for joining us through the BBC era, and we will see you next time for the run of special episodes, and then later the Dave era. So until then, we'll see you later. Goodbye. Goodbye.